O Lord, take our minds and think through them. Take our lips and speak through them. And finally, take our hearts and set them on fire for you this morning. All this we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake alone. Amen. Ecclesiastes 3 starts out saying, There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. Then it goes into a list for what those seasons and times might be. It says there's a time to plan and a time to uproot, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, and the list goes on and on. The writer's orderly cadence points out that there is a pattern to human existence, even a pattern to the events of God's creation. And when we learn to discern the pattern, we see that there's a place for every aspect of life and that there should be a balance in our own lives. And hopefully as we learn this, we begin to tap into God's wisdom to see what time it is. But for our purposes today, we will look at one verse of this cadence in particular because it's so important, and it's that there is a time to be silent and a time to speak. We often don't think this is part of our Christian faith, but it just might be more central than we first imagined. We'll start off with a time to speak. One of the lessons that many of us need to learn is that if we are children of God, then we need to speak up in order for us to be treated that way. There's a radio show I used to listen to every week called Dawson McAllister Live. It came on a secular station in the area, and it's a unique show because teenagers and young adults called in and talked to Dawson about their personal problems and relationship problems in the midst of music being played. And even though Dawson was almost 70 years old, he had built this trust over decades with young people, and they wanted to call him talk to him, and seek his advice. Almost every week, there was a call by a man or a woman who began their story by saying that they have been with someone a year or two or three, and they loved them. There was so much they liked about their partner, but then they'd say he or she has a violent temper and tore them down with their words sometimes or even hit them. And then this victim of verbal and physical abuse would ask Dawson, what, what should I do? And Dawson would always say, walk away. And the victim would then say, but I love him, I, I love her, we've been together for so long, we've shared so many memories, and Dawson would say, doesn't matter, walk away. You do not deserve to be treated like this. No child of God deserves to be hit or ripped apart by the person they love the most. You deserve better, you can do better, you need to stand up for yourself. If we believe that we are children of God, then we need to speak up sometimes and say that we deserve to be treated better, for we are not walking doormats. You shouldn't beat me up with your words or deeds, for I am a child of God, and I will not put up with it. In the same vein, we need to speak up on behalf of others who aren't realizing that they need to speak up for themselves. Rob Bell, who's a well-known pastor and writer, says that he went through a very difficult time several years ago. He was 
running and achieving and speaking all over the place. He was impressing and going and feeling like he needed to prove that he was better and smarter and harder working, and he was just burning himself out. He says, now, if you stay a step ahead of the pain, then you never have to slow down to sort through why you're driven the way you are. He was losing his joy and any sense of passion for life. So a friend, who's a friend that all of us need to have, took him out to lunch one day, and partway through the lunch, his friend said, you don't have to live like this. And Rob said, yeah, I know, I know. His friend said, no, you don't, you don't have to live like this. Rob said, oh, come on, the sun will come out next week, it'll get better. His friend said, no, you don't have to live like this. You don't have to live like this. You don't have to live like this. And Rob said, okay, okay. I get it. His friends kept saying, you don't have to live like this. And Rob resisted for a while, but his friend kept going. And then he stopped resisting and started listening. You don't have to live like this. You don't have to live like this. You don't have to live like this. And as his friend kept repeating the phrase, Rob said it became this beautiful mantra. You don't have to live like this. You don't have to live like this. You don't have to live like this. Rob realizes now that his friend was fighting for him when he had no energy to fight for himself as he just kept repeating over and over at lunch, you don't have to live like this. You don't have to live like this. Sometimes we need to speak up on behalf of others who aren't realizing that they need to speak up for themselves. Finally, we need to speak up sometimes for God in creative ways, so people can get a faithful picture of Jesus. Some of you may have heard the hit song on Christian radio the past few months called Waymaker. The lyrics of the chorus go like this, talking about God, you are Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You are Waymaker, miracle worker, Promise keeper, and he keeps on repeating. And Michael W. Smith is the lead singer for this song that we hear, but you might not know that he, was not, he wasn't the first one to sing it or write it. That honor goes to the Nigerian Christian artist, Sinok, who wrote and sung the song back in 2015, and it was a hit across the continent and logged 151 million views on YouTube. But it didn't get big here until Michael W. Smith sang it. So it is truly a song that touches all people and is connected with all different cultures, which first made it a perfect song for the pandemic. In March, doctors and nurses from the Cartersville Hospital in Georgia got up on the hospital's roof, spaced themselves out and raised their hands and sung along with the Waymaker song played over the loudspeakers across the hospital's campus. They said they did it to cheer up the people in the midst of the coronavirus crisis and to witness to their faith that God has not abandoned us during this time. Instead, God was still inspiring them to work and still healing the patients on the inside of the hospital as well. This song has even been sung on the streets of some of the protests recently too. In Milwaukee, Fredericksburg, Virginia, and Indianapolis, videos have been shared on the internet of these diverse crowds coming together for peace, justice, or love, and they're singing, you are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. What a creative way 
to speak up for the healing love and power of our God. But there's also a time, Ecclesiastes says, for us to be silent. And what's fascinating about this text is that there's a time to be silent comes first. And maybe that's because we need to be silent before we can speak faithfully. Maybe it's first because it's harder for us to be silent than it is to speak. I mean, just think about our prayer lives, which are often filled with words instead of silence, which is contrary to the advice of the most famous Christian saints throughout the centuries who say that silence is the most productive setting for prayer. And that the deepening of the spiritual life can only be done if we respect sacred silence. For too many of us, prayer is like trotting out a wish list to a cosmic bellhop, saying, God, here's what I need now, here's what I need next, here's what I wish would happen in the future, God, and when you take care of all this, I'll be back in touch. I heard a father of adult children recently describe his relationship with his kids. He said, my children never get in touch with me unless they need something. It seems like I feel sort of like a cross between a doorman and an ATM. <laughs> he said it with a smile and a chuckle, but, but you could see the sadness in his eyes. He was telling the truth. These, these adult children of his, they're not bad kids, but they're missing out on the greatest gifts their dad has to offer. The gift of wisdom, the gift of love, the gift of presence, because they neither have the time nor do they make the time to listen and receive what he can share with them. And can you imagine that, that maybe, just maybe, God might feel the same way? We don't take the time, we don't make the time to be silent. Maybe that's why Psalm 46 says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still, be silent, and hear what I have to offer you that you don't even know about yet because you don't listen There's a time to be silent in our relationship with God. There's also a time to be silent with others. And this is necessary time and needed time if we're going to be the people God calls us to be. My college pastor grew up in Asheboro, North Carolina, 50 years ago. And every month or so, he'd drive down to the Fayetteville Street Springwood Barbershop for a haircut. A little two-seater. John Jester was the lead barber. All sorts of people went there. There were old guys in their overalls. There were young banker lawyer types in their crisp suits. There were little children whose moms had brought them for their first haircut. There were also people in that era who were the wannabe but afraid to be hippie types. And they had on their tie-dye shirts and beetles-like haircuts. Some of you may remember that haircut. It was sort of cut around the sides, if you, and you let it come down to about right here. So if you look straight ahead, you couldn't really see. You had to look up a little bit, you know, and then you could see. And that was my college pastor 50 years ago. So about every fourth Friday in college, Michael would go to Mr. Gestures because his parents told him it was either that or you got to pay your own tuition for college. So he'd go and get a little trip. Mr. Jester had a rule in his barbershop. Pretty interesting rule, really. It was, it was the man in the chair had the floor. So whoever was in the chair set the topic. He could talk about anything he wished. He could talk about sports. He could talk about religion. He could talk about the weather, politics, the price of tomatoes, whatever. 
And the other people in the shop could pitch in and say, now, uh, what do you mean by that? Or uh, tell me a little bit more, or I agree with you, that's a good idea, but that's it. So one time Michael came in looking up because of his hair, you know, it's time for a trim. And he, there's a guy in the chair that everyone in town knew. He's a small, interesting guy who uh, probably had a tough life, never went that far in school, ran a produce stand in town. On Sunday, he was a free will Baptist preacher for a house, little house church with a handful of other people that life hadn't treated very fairly either. And he was in the chair. And 50 years ago, they began to talk about what's wrong with America. Which was interesting, Michael found out, because what was wrong with America seemed to be him. And every problem he trotted out, it's this, this young generation, and it's not all this young generation, it's this long-haired hippies, he said, and he went on and on, everything like summer rain was even their fault. And Michael remembers there sitting and listening until finally the man crossed a line that made him feel like he needed to say something. He started to talk about religion, and Michael was a religion major. He was preparing to go into the ministry. He was on Michael's turf. The man in the chair said, everybody knows no Christian man would look like these long-haired hippie types. If you read the Bible, uh, that's a sin before the Lord. A man doesn't grow his hair long. And Michael piped up and said, does the Bible really say that? If you read the Bible, you know it does. Then how do you explain the story of Samson, who broke covenant with God and was punished because he did the one thing God told him to never do, which was to get his hair cut? And the man in the chair began to get red. He tried to answer. But there was no answer, and he became very embarrassed because Michael had nailed him, and he knew it, and Michael knew it, and everybody in the barber shop knew it. What he did not know was that John Jester, the barber, was standing behind him at that moment, and he looked at Michael and shook his head. So Michael sank back into his chair, looked at the floor, and the guy left, not saying a word, feeling humiliated. And there was Michael's turn in the chair. And he didn't understand. He said, Mr. Jester, you know everything he said was ridiculous, right? Of course. You know it was undiluted hogwash. Everything he said was not biblical. It wasn't right. Oh, I know. Then why did you let him get away with it? Because he said it was his turn. And right there in that moment, Michael learned this magnificent lesson about caring for people and counseling them in the Springwood Barbershop that Everybody needs a turn. It doesn't mean that we have to constantly listen to offensive, wrong, or immoral things. It means that everybody, human being, needs a turn to be taken seriously, as if what they say matters, as if they matter. And that makes a time to be silent a loving time, a sacred time, a Christ-like time. And Michael hadn't been that loving that day. And that small man, by the way the world judges people, probably left feeling even smaller. Another pastor I know remembers sitting in the lobby of a hospital with a young man. The man was about 25, 26. His mother had just died. She was upstairs. And the pastor said, now's not the time, but when you're ready, you call me and we'll plan the memorial service. And he said, nah. You just do it. Pastor said, no, I can't do it. I'm, I'm not her son. You call me when you're ready. He said, just do whatever feels right. And the pastor said, I can. I'm not her son. And he said politely, but it almost exploded out of his mouth. I'm not her son either. 
She probably was kinder to you than she was to me. She probably paid attention to you. She probably listened to you all my life. That woman up there has preached at me, barked at me, ordered me, and whenever tried to talk about my day, what matters in my life, or the dreams that I have, she had plugs in her ears. You plan the service. I'm not interested. There was a woman who never learned the lesson of John Jester or his Ecclesiastes, that there is a time to be silent. And sometimes by listening, as if their words matter, they begin to feel that they matter too. Ecclesiastes says there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. In other words, there's a pattern to human existence and God's creation. The key for us is learning how to sense the pattern, to strive for balance in our lives so that we might be able to tap into God's wisdom and know what time it is. Let us pray. O Lord, just as you speak and listen to us in our lives, may we speak up for you when you call us, and may we listen to those with your ears who need us to with your grace and mercy. All this we pray in the name of our Savior and friend, Jesus Christ. Amen.